Our sermon scripture is found from Genesis 50, verses 15 through 26. You'll find this in your bulletin as well. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he in his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. The word of our Lord. Please pray with me. Lord God, we, we acknowledge that uh, we experience that our journey in life can be difficult and challenging, often with family relationship problems, goodbyes, painful losses. And so we thank you, Lord, that you address these things in your word while also articulating, Lord, your, your covenant plan of redemption through the whole of Scripture. And so this morning, Lord, we, we just ask that you would please reveal yourself through that wonderful combination of the working of your Holy Spirit and the preaching of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate Pastor Andrew's heart and mind and speech. May he be affected by what he's preaching and teaching to us. And Lord, likewise, I ask that your spirit would help us to truly listen and give us the ability to absorb your truth this morning and that it would strengthen our faith and our obedience to you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Wow, that was enthusiastic. I appreciate that. Means you're all awake, ready to go. For this last look at the book of Genesis, I was thinking about that. We've uh, done this now for three summers uh, in a row. We've been in the book of Genesis, and we, we come to the end of the book this week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a great study. I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed it and benefited from it. I, I pray that, that you have as well. Uh, but it's an interesting end to the book. Uh, as I've been thinking about it, I've been just thinking about, you know, themes of perseverance and hope and uh, all of those things. But I've also been thinking of, of length. I, I happened to 
catch recently, James Corden hosted the Late Late Show. He does these carpool karaoke's. Uh, maybe some of you have seen some of those. And he had the opportunity to catch up with Sir Paul McCartney. And uh, they took a journey uh, through uh, his, uh, his part of the world in, in London, uh, visited Penny Lane uh, and uh, his, his ancestral home. I don't know if that's actually true, but it was the home that he grew up in. And, and as they were there and just reflecting on his life, you know, one of the things that uh, Mr. McCartney said was, you know, what really strikes me being here is just how long the journey has been. And I thought, you know, that's really true for all of our lives. You know, as we go day by day, it, it, it's a long journey. And, and what's interesting as we come to the end of Genesis, uh, as we're going to see this morning, is it, it's not over. Uh, Israel ends up in Egypt. Uh, they are not in the promised land. They, uh, they haven't come to the completion of their journey. You know, Genesis 50 is, is by no means the end of the story. Even the, the end of the Torah as we come to Deuteronomy is not the end of the story. As they, it, It's always this journey that goes on and on and on. Now, that may be discouraging in some place, in some way. Uh, but, but I hope that you see this morning, uh, as we look at the scripture, as we think about, you know, God's role in our journey, that uh, we can have confidence and have faith in every step along the way. So I want to dive in uh, to these last verses of Genesis chapter 50, 15 to 26, and just sort of bring you up to speed from where Steve left us last week. Uh, he left us with Jacob's death, uh, his burial, and this is how Genesis 50 opens. Uh, Jacob is, is very clear. He wants to be buried back in the promised land. There is a hope there. There is a, uh, you know, claiming the promise of God, even though it's just a cave, uh, Machpelah, that uh, Abraham has bought from the Hittites. Abraham, or, uh, <coughs> sorry, Jacob claims that promise and, and insists on being buried back there. It's a fascinating funeral scene. You know, Joseph pulls out all the stops as his second in command in Egypt brings this whole retinue of Egyptians there. There's this great wailing so that they, they actually name the place, the, the natives name the place after the wailing of the Egyptians uh, that they saw. But then they return back to the promised land, or back to, uh, not the promised land, they return back to Egypt. And remember, this is 17 years, according to Genesis 47, 17 years after they first came to Egypt. Uh, so just a little refresher on the timeline. Joseph was 17 years old uh, when he was put into the pit. Uh, he elevated after a number of years, 30 years old, when he ascends to uh, the, the throne in, in Egypt or this place of prominence in Egypt. Now, 17 years later, so he's about 47, 50-ish years old, right in that time frame. 
Uh, but all of this time has gone on. But you notice, and this is the first thing that I want you to see, is that relationships continue to be difficult. Uh, this passage here is, is fascinating in a number of different ways. When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they began to worry. And it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Why, why did they feel this? I mean, didn't they have that reconciliation back in chapter 45? Aren't things good then? I think you know from your own familial situation that uh, issues aren't always that neat and tidied up, right? Uh, we, we continue to wrestle through issues of our family. Some of it may be the brother's own guilt. Uh, just, you know, they hark back to what they did for, uh, to Joseph all those years ago. And, you know, as they uh, project maybe their own unforgiveness of themselves for that, not being able to accept the grace that Joseph had offered to them, as they project that onto the brothers, they continue to spin in this cycle of wondering, you know, do, are we okay? You know, is there anything that we have to worry about from you? There's also here just hints that, you know, Joseph was living in the place of prominence in, in Egypt, wherever the, the ruling body was or the ruling city, maybe Alexandria or uh, Cairo or whatever it might have been. The, the brothers were living uh, in, in Goshen. Uh, they, we don't know how much interaction they had during those 17 years. We know some that Joseph interacted with his father, at least on a couple of occasions, but not really told of much interaction between uh, Joseph and his brothers. And so what was the nature of their relationship? Had that reconciliation been played out? There was something in their mind anyway that said, how's he going to treat us? You know, they, they, they had something that was, was niggling in their mind. And, and I think we just stop here and we recognize the truth of this, right? I, I know some of you, uh, many of us can relate to, rec uh, to relational difficulty. Certainly family is among that. Uh, it's never easy. Those we love the most, those that we're closest to, we also have the ability to hurt the most. We also hold a certain power over them. And so with our parents, with our kids, with our siblings, uh, we, there's, this, there's this intricate dance of relationships. And I think we just acknowledge that what we're seeing here from the brothers and from Joseph is true to life. Uh, it, it's true to our experience that relationships aren't always as neat and tidy, and they need to continue to be pursued. They need to be con continue to be persevered after. Uh, one of the commentators on this section says this, betrayals and hurt in the family are not easily overcome. They have a lingering power. That lingering is evident here till the very last. Uh, the narrator is subtle. Neither we nor the brothers know exactly how Joseph is disposed toward them. Uh, are they waiting for the other shoe to drop? So relationships are tricky. Relationships are hard. We acknowledge, uh, we acknowledge the truth of that. But 
What I want you to see as well is that there is significant redemption or, as Schaefer talks about, he talks about substantial healing. Uh, and, and I love that phrase because you know, what, what he says is we, we can't expect complete healing on this side of the grave, but we can hope for substantial healing. And, and we see that here as Joseph says, look it, am I in the place of God? You know, I, it's not my job to judge you. And Joseph has come to this realization uh, after these years that he's been in Egypt. And then he makes this great pronouncement that we often identify with the Joseph story, that we often even identify with the whole book of Genesis, chapter 50, verse 20. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. He comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. He provides the comfort. The comfort, incidentally, that Jacob never got. Remember, Jacob refused to be comforted. Uh, but, but Joseph gives comfort to his brothers. And he acknowledges you know, in it, you know, his ability to give that comfort comes from his acknowledging the fact that God has been in the, the situations and the circumstances of their life. That you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Uh, it, it's his belief in the sovereign presence of God. There's a theological word for you. And this is just another one of those instances when we realize that theology is important. You know, what we believe about God, how we see him working in the world, these things inform how we respond to situations uh, around us. We can't just be atheological, right? We have to know truth, and then we have to apply it to life. But one thing I will point out to you here is that there is, as I've already alluded to, a number of years that have gone by, 26 years at least have gone by before Jacob makes this pronouncement. You know, sometimes uh, we want to, you know, pronounce God works all things together for good for those who love them in the moment. You meant it for evil, but God is meaning this for good in the moment. You know, right now, uh, Joseph has the benefit of perspective. He's able to look back, and I think about that, I'm probably about the age that, that Joseph was here, and I see a lot of things more clearly about my life, or maybe I'll put it this way, I see a lot of things less clearly about my life uh, than I did when I was 20-something. Um, you know, I've told you before, we, we lost our, our firstborn, our daughter Madeline, I think I was 24 years old uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, I remember thinking through, what is God doing in this? There must be a purpose. And, you know, there was a part of me that wanted to name that purpose right there. You know, God is doing this. Now, I, you know, I'm almost 50 years old now. And, and I can see ways that God has used that uh, in the intervening years. But I think I'm probably less certain about a purpose 
with regards to that than maybe I was back then. So be careful. I mean, I, I say that just for your own encouragement. You know, it's okay to have some loose ends in your life, right? It, it's okay to not have all of the answers in terms of what God is doing, but knowing that He is at work. It's okay to have those loose ends. And especially as you are entering in to other people's difficulties. You know, Romans 8 is true. God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, the called according to his purpose. But it is often not right to bring that up in a certain situation. I mean, you just have to be careful with that, right? Um, you know, probably at the funeral home, you know, where a young child is being grieved is not the time. Uh, you know, there is a time that comes later with regards to that. So, there's loose ends. Relationships are hard. Families uh, are hard. I think part of what we see here at the end of Genesis helps us to see that. And then we come to this reality that death is certain. You know, Woody Allen, right? Uh, the, the things that are certain in life, death and taxes, uh, death and taxes, death is certain in our lives. We, we see that here. Joseph was considered a god in Egypt. I mean, you have to remember a lot of that. You know, Joseph says, am I a god? Well, depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> you know, the Egyptians probably would have said yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, Joseph probably had to wrestle with the amount of acclaim that was given to him over the course of his life. But he's not. And he dies. He dies at 110. There's some significance with regards to that number. If you are interested in that, there are, you know, m lots of articles about the significance of 110 years old. It was certainly a perfect age for Egyptians for a number of reasons. A couple of things just to point out for, to you here. This is about 60 years, you know, when we, when we cross over from verse 21 to 22, that's 60 years of unnarrated time that went on in Joseph's life. You ever feel like you're in unnarrated time? You know, like you're just going on and, and life is happening and, and nothing really significant seems to be happening. Well, you know, this is so much of life. I think sometimes when we read the scriptures, we, we forget about the ordinariness of just living out our lives before scripture or before the Lord, Coram Deo, and, and how important the unnarrated time is. A and I say that it's important because it is, now this is some of the most, I, I think, some of the most significant things that the Lord has put on my heart with regards to this today. It is... Joseph's end, it is his death, it is his dying words that I believe are some of the most important of Joseph's life. And, and I believe that because it is what is re, uh, preserved for us in Hebrews chapter 11. Remember last week, Pastor Steve pointed out with Jacob that out of all of Jacob's life, all of the things that he did, wrestling with God, the time at Bethel, all of those things, when, when Jacob died, what was, uh, what was highlighted for us was the fact that he gave the blessing to the younger 
over the older as he leaned on his cane dying. What is preserved for us for Joseph? Out of all that he's done, you know, going from the pit to the prison to the palace, uh, you know, saving the people of Israel by providing this, saving the people of the, of the world. Out of all that he's done, this is what Hebrews says, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, it just so takes us aback because we think all of the stuff that we do in our youth, all of the stuff that we do where we're full of vigor and vitality, that is the stuff that's important. And our culture has bought that hook, line, and sinker. You know, we, we want to say it's the activity of the youth. It's the activity uh, of, uh, of young people. These are the things that, that move and shake. These are the things that, that do God's will. But the scriptures really help us to stop and evaluate that and to say, no, you know, it, it, it's those lessons that we learn during the unnarrated parts of our lives that lead us to the moment where we can speak of the hope that we have and we can give instructions concerning our bones. That is the stuff that makes a mark in the hall of faith. That is the stuff that is really significant. And, and I say that for a couple of reasons, you know, first of all, just to encourage, especially, you know, all of us, but especially those of you who are perhaps in those unnarrated ages or perhaps at that time when you are ready to gather your feet to yourself and give the blessing to the next generation, you have significant work to do right now. God is not finished with you. You matter. Uh, it is important. And please, please, for all of our sake, finish well. Finish well all the way through until the very end. Now, you know, there's something I think for all of us here to grapple with you know again a lot of it comes back to attitudes you know I, I, I think you know my own repentance this week looked like you know my, my own predilection to youth and vitality and you know activity all of those things and, and not appreciating you know the dying words of brothers and sisters who have navigated those unnarrated years. So, just think about that. But can I just say one other thing? And, and maybe now I'm not talking to, to those who are at the very end, but, but those who are, you know, beginning those unnarrated years. The church needs you. You know, it, it's not time to hibernate. I, I, you know, one commentator on this passage spoke about attitudes towards retirement in America as hibernation. 
you know, this, this time where you, you, know, you, you build up in your youth everything that you have so that you can go into your den, you know, from the time that you quit your, your job till the time when you come to your dying breath. And, you know, this period of hibernation. You know, they may seem like unnarrated years, but they're so important. They're so important for your own faith formation. You know, you can't just stop living for the Lord and start living only for yourself. You know, traveling and all of this and all of that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But the, the shape, the direction of our lives is so important. You know, we need you as the church. I, I look out at some of these young families and how busy they are juggling this and that and uh, with kids and raising them. I mean, we, we need you who have discretionary time, who have discretionary money, who have the wisdom that has been gained from perspective. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about even just simply this local body, which is true, but, but the church universal, you are entering prime time. You know, those of you who are 55, 60, 65, 70, which is the new 40, right? Uh, you, you are entering prime time to serve the Lord and to serve the church and to serve the worldwide movement of the kingdom of God. This is prime time. You know, please. Continue, and, and thank you. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't say this as a, you know, a scolding. Please don't hear that. Uh, you know, I, I think many of you here are, are showing the way, but just to continue to encourage you. You know, God is not done. These unnarrated years are, are so, so crucial. All right, three things just... Uh, well, I think I've already said it. I get all mixed up in my outline here. Uh, death is a certain reality. I, I'm just going to say a couple of other things uh, about that. Fight for faith to the end. I've already said that. You know, our lives are a mixed bag. I, I think I've already alluded to that. Joseph dies in Egypt, embalmed. I mean, Jacob buried in Canaan. Joseph embalmed in Egypt. We talked about, you know, Joseph being caught in between, right? Uh, between Egypt and Israel, and, you know, it's not all resolved, and, and, and our lives are that way too. So again, just being honest with, with where we are. Uh, the death of an individual is not the, the end of a story. Uh, very practically, you know, Joseph's life ends, Jacob's life ends, but, but their legacy lives on. I mentioned here about Joseph seeing his children to the third generation. You know, and as he, in those unnarrated years, speaks to them about the hope that he has, carry my bones up, you know, just how your life, your story, your faith lives on in the next generation is such an encouragement to us. But the last thing I'll note is this, uh, God's story also lives on. God's promises are the thread that pulls through the entirety of the book of Genesis and the entirety of the story. I mean, we've walked uh, 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 a, lot of, uh, a lot of steps, right, throughout the course of our study of Genesis. We've walked with Adam. We've walked with Noah. 
Uh, we've walked with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Judah. Uh, we've, we've walked with, uh, with these folks. And one of the things that Genesis wants us to see is that, you know, when we come to the end of Genesis and we see the loose ends, we see the, the, the lack of uh, wrap-up to the story. I mean, this is not a daytime drama, right? Uh, where everything's wrapped up in a half an hour or an hour. Uh, this is not that. What we're meant to see is that the answers to our lives and the thread that pulls the story together and gives it unity comes from above. It is God who ultimately is the one that provides the cornerstone to the individual bricks that are our lives and, and brings them together. And there are two significant ways in these last, uh, these last passages here, or these last verses, that I want to highlight for you. Uh, the first comes in verses 24 and 25, Joseph's last words to his brothers to the Israelites that are now settled in Egypt and, and prospering. As we see in, in the book of Exodus, he says, I'm about to die, but God will, what's that word? Visit you and bring you out of the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. This is a pregnant theological word uh, because visitation in the scriptures means the remembrance of God either to bless or to judge. We see it with the nations as God visits their iniquities upon them. But we see it over and over and over again as God comes to his people to rescue them. We saw that, for instance, with Hannah. You know, when she prayed for a child and Yahweh heard her and he visited her and she gave birth to Samuel and to uh, a couple of other children as well. We see it in Ruth when, when the, you know, the seed is at risk and they're in Moab. God visited uh, Ruth 1 verse 6, God visited Israel and brought bread again. So there was bread again in Bethlehem, the, the house of bread. We see it in Exodus chapter 4 verse 31. If you just turn over a couple of pages. And the people believed and when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. You see, Joseph was highlighting something for us that our redemption comes from outside of ourselves. No man, no human is sufficient to work out the will of God. I was reminded of that last week. I mean, I think many of you are aware, come in today, it's a little bit different, right? Pastor Steve and, and Chris, uh, you know, left last week and thinking about how much I loved Steve and Chris and you know, how much I'll miss them, but also what a story that is. You know, you think all the way back to uh, John Young, who organized the church, and Alan Baldwin, and, you know, Walter Lorenz, and the different people that have come through. And you know what? The church remains. 
No man is, signif- is, uh, is, is the whole story. And, and that was just a reminder for me. This isn't about me. It's not about, uh, you know, my legacy or my doings. This is about God's work in this world. And when Joseph said, God will visit, he is indeed declaring that he is not God. I am not God. I am not the ultimate deliverer of my people. Uh, Ultimately, you need to look for your deliverance from God from above. And you know what? In Luke chapter 1, verse 68, when uh, Zechariah prophesies uh, about John the Baptist and ultimately about the Redeemer, do you know what he says? God has visited his people in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is our hope. Our hope is not in our mortal lives. Our hope is in the immortal person of Jesus Christ who has come to give his life and to uh, earn our redemption by going to the cross. And, And all that we see, this whole journey through Genesis leads us to this point. That we would look for the visitation of God in every aspect of our lives. Where do you need that? You know, as you navigate your own relational conflicts, as you work through your vocation, your calling, your job, as you uh, think about your health issues, yes, you need a temporal visitation from the Lord, but ultimately your hope is in the eternal visitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's one other thing, actually, in this passage uh, that points us forward, that pulls this thread. You notice uh, the last words, of course, they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Those are actually the last words in the Hebrew text as well. But that word coffin is an interesting one uh, because it shows up a number of places in the book of Genesis and on into Exodus and then on throughout Israel's history, but it's not translated coffin. It's translated ark. Joseph was in an ark, just like Noah was put in an ark for his deliverance, just like Moses very shortly would be drawn out of an ark that was placed in the bulrushes to be made a prince in Egypt for the deliverance of his people, just like the Israelites would look to the ark of the covenant as the representative of the presence of the Lord in their midst. They would look to the Ark of the Covenant from where they could see the mercy seat. And we're reminded that God is always, His heart is always one of rescuing His people. His, his, his goal, His heart the, the love that moves him is the rescue of his people. I love the book of Hosea. You know, Hosea, he, he says in verse, chapter 11, verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And, and out of Egypt, I, I called my son. This is the mercy seat of God that pursues you and pursues me, the people 
of God earlier. It speaks, you know, so tenderly. In the face of all of uh, Israel's uh, rebellion against him, God says, therefore, behold, I will allure Israel. I'll bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. I will give her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor, the, the place of death and desolation, I will make that a door of hope. And there she shall answer in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. We see Joseph's body placed in an ark. And we know, we know that God is involved in this story to bring redemption to his people because he loves them. Brothers and sisters, we close Genesis. The, the final curtain is come down. Quoted you two at the beginning uh, with the moment of reflection. Frank Sinatra. The final curtain has come down, and this is what I want the world to know. I did it my way. The final curtain comes down on our lives. This is what we want the world to know. We have a God who pursues us. Difficulty, the unnarrated years, the certainty of death. But he pursues us because his heart is merciful. And he will not abandon his people even in the loose ends of their life. Do you know him like that? And if you don't, can you hear his voice this morning? And will you respond to it? Let's pray. Father, we... Thank you for this story. It comes to us in, in many different hues. We're grateful for not just the, the story of Joseph and his brothers that we've concluded, but for the bigger story that we are a part of. And we pray that you would help us as we continue to navigate the days of our lives, uh, that they would be done, oriented to you, our God and our Savior. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.